0: But this whole series kind of was birthed out of really talking to our young people about what is happening in the world that we live in and, and the things that are ever-changing and ever-evolving and, and the things that they have to face on a daily basis, the pressures that they endure that we don't necessarily have to. And uh, the, the goal and our prayer was that it would stimulate Conversation And so hopefully if you have a teenager, a student that's at the line, this has been helpful for you. We hope that it's maybe um, caused you to think and helped you in answering some questions that they may have. And here's the worst thing we can do when it comes to the issues that we've talked about. Because we've discussed, uh, well, of course, Lordship, and, and we went to Matthew 22, and that's in your handout that you have here tonight, um, and, and Jesus teaching us about the greatest commandments of them all. What was the what was, what's the greatest commandment? Love the, Lord. love the Lord your God, and then like that one is you. love your neighbor as yourself. And so we talked about lordship. We talked about, about sexuality and gender and uh, identity there understanding who we are and that God created us uh, uh, the gender that we are for a reason I would be terrible at being a girl Okay, um, whew, that would be scary But um, and then marriage we talked about marriage uh, Pastor Scott uh, did did the gender and sexuality and, and marriage pieces the last couple weeks, didn't he do an amazing job he's a great communicator we thank God for him And uh, he thanks all four of you for clapping. (laughs) Uh, But but we can't put our head in the sand. We can't hide and act like this stuff doesn't exist. And we can't talk about these issues today. And we have to be able to give a biblical answer. What does the Bible have to say? It doesn't matter. You're not here tonight to find out what I think about it. My opinion about it, because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, my opinion doesn't matter. What this book says is what matters. That is where we stand. That is the foundation on which everything is built. And so our goal has been to do that. We want to share the good news, the news of the gospel of Jesus. And and how many of you know that that word gospel means good news, right? And and here's what good news does. Good news invades dark places. If you've ever gotten into the Word of God, you've gotten into the Bible, you find out quickly that it invades dark places. It gets into areas in our life that maybe we are uncomfortable talking about, maybe we've hidden from the rest of the world, but it creates a, a situation where we have to, those things because it gets in there and it shines a light on those things. For something to be good news, there has to be a chance for something bad to occur. So knowing that the gospel is good news helps us identify that bad things can and do happen. They happen to good people. Our hearts and our prayers go out to the reporter and the cameraman and the very disturbed, disgruntled uh, gentleman who perpetrated these acts this morning very, very early. We live in a world that is messed up, where thinking is messed up, and and there's darkness there, and we want more than anything else for light to invade those dark places answer questions and ultimately most importantly point people to Jesus our prayer is that the gospel tonight will enter into those broken areas of our life and bring reconciliation especially on the topic not excluding the rest of the topics but In particular, what we're going to speak on tonight. Because tonight, we're going to get very, very honest about racism. Check out this book. Just a terrible situation unfolding right now in Virginia. That reporter and cameraman killed while on live TV. A third person was also shot. It was a routine interview just before 7 a.m. Eastern this morning. Start with breaking news that we have been following all evening. 15 officers have been hurt in riots in Baltimore, and the governor has declared a state of emergency there. Two of those officers who are hurt are still hospitalized tonight. Up to 5,000 law enforcement officials will be requested from the mid-atlantic region to help put a stop to the violence in baltimore the violence comes on the day of the funeral for freddie gray who died of a spinal cord injury while he had police custody a little over two weeks ago Police have said that Tyrone Harris shot at them before he was shot at and he was hit. He is incredibly vicious. I want you to take a look at this because his family uh, told us initially that he was not armed and that they believe it was a case of mistaken identity. Uh Peppers spray lies after police tell protesters to get out of the street that has become synonymous with civil unrest. West Coruscant in Ferguson, Missouri erupting again one night after shots rang out scattering protesters and police. West, West, West. Protesters plan on more action to remember Tyrone Harris. Police say he was shot early Monday after shooting at police down the street for the protest line. Tyrone Harris's father, though, says his son did not shoot at police. Charleston, South Carolina, is a community marked by both loss and love. River by grief, rallying around those who lost family members in a historic hate crime. Twenty-one-year-old Dylan Roof allegedly opened fire in one of the most famous black churches in the South. ABC's Cecilia Vega is on the scene as new details come to light tonight about this disturbed young man and the innocent victims of the tragedy in Charleston. The fact that this took place uh, in a black church uh, obviously also raises questions about the dark part of our history. Not the first time the black churches have been attacked. <laughs> we will get through it. Our church will get through it. It's a tough time to grind know for a fact that everybody will will press on. They are in our homes, they're in our world, and they are carried with us everywhere we go. And um, I kind of picked on Pastor Scott when we were talking about this study, and we were talking about who would lead the various uh, studies on the given nights, and he looked at me about this particular night and said, well, you were born in Georgia, so here you go. <laughs> Have at it, and I said, like, "Hold on a minute, now. I think I'm being profiled here, but uh, uh, I have seen it." If you, grew- how many of you grew up in the South? How many of you in this room. How many of you have seen racism? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but keep it raised. But how many of you have been party to? Racist comments, actions, your own life. I've been guilty of it. And, you know, it's amazing what God works out of you. And it's amazing the stuff that you think has worked out of you until God starts shining that light and causes you to really see things for the way they truly are. And that is my prayer tonight, that God will shine... That light and help us see things the way they really are and be just as honest as we can with ourselves. I'm not going to talk about those events in particular tonight. Now, your your students, if you have teenagers at the riot tonight, they saw that very same clip. I wanted you to see this clip tonight because I wanted you to be able to talk to them. I wanted you to be able to have a conversation with them. But, see, those are symptoms of a problem. That's not the problem. But, see, just like the night that we talked about uh, the transgender movement and homosexuality and the Supreme Court decision and all of those things, see, what here's what we do. We focus on the particular act. We focus on that particular sin or, or the symptom from a particular sin rather than looking at the root at the cause of life this is present in our world and what we can do as Christians to respond to it now when we talk about racism there are two types of people there is just the blatant racist and I've met that man or woman, boy or girl, and they're that person that says, I've had someone say this to me before. They say well, I'm going to tell you something now. If my daughter marries that man that's that color right there, she is no longer my daughter. She is no longer welcome in my home, and I will have nothing else to do with you. I hope those words make us shudder tonight. Because that is absolutely just horrible. And I grew up in an area where,
1: you know, a lot of
0: people thought that way. And then there are people that are ignorant. Now, that racist guy that just spews that venom... Or gal, I'm not saying it can just be, uh, you know, a, a man. It can be a woman as well. And it, I want to tell you this too: it's not just uh, Anglo. All right, this isn't this isn't just a, a, a white thing. But I'm telling you, it's very predominant in the South. But it's not just a Southern thing. It's all over our world. But you've got those that are ignorant. I had a I had a lady call me one time, and she it was the very first church that I worked in. And it was actually the church I grew up in. In the church I grew up in, um, this lady called me, and I mean, practically, had, I, you know, I grew up in a little church about eighty people. So everybody that attended there pretty much raised you. You know, they had permission. To anybody go to a church like that? I could get spanked by anyone that went to that church, okay? And uh, discipline was doled out freely. And then you got it when you got home again, you know? It's like, how's that fair? But um, I grew up in this church and, and love this family to this day. But this was a very ignorant question that they asked me. They called me up and then a daughter of uh, 17, 18 years old. And she said, I need you to come to the house tonight and I need you to talk to my daughter I said okay what about I need you to tell her and show her in the Bible where it is a sin for her today this black guy and I said I can come over to your house tonight but I can't do that Because guess what? It ain't in there. Okay? Your mama told you that that was in there. Maybe your grandmama told you that was in there. And sometimes people believe it because of ignorance. And I believe where she was pulling this from was Deuteronomy. If you have your pens with you, Deuteronomy chapter 7. How many of you have ever heard of the skip and dip method of reading the Bible? You ever heard of that? You just open up the Bible, close your eyes, and pray for the best. You know, pray your finger lands on the right spot. And so, when this woman did it, and her finger landed, here's what she read: "Do not intermarry with them." There you go, preacher. She didn't read it one in context. She didn't read the entirety of it. She was skipping and dipping. She already had in her mind what she believed was absolutely true. And this is what she was going to do. But here's what that entire passage says. And if you have your Bibles or you have your phones, uh, if you want to read along with me, I'd love for you to do that. Deuteronomy 7, beginning in verse 1, it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land of, you are entering in, uh, are entering to possess. This is Moses talking to the children of Israel. He says, "It drives out before you many nations: the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Parasites, the Perizzites. They be their Parasites. Maybe they're parasites." <laughs> supper, a little bag of of supper tonight, and I think I might have burped when I said that. The Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them, and show no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give Your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break break down their altars and then he tells them all the things that he wants them to do. Now, as we read that passage of scripture right there. Do you read anywhere in there where it says this has anything to do with melanin? Anybody ever heard of melanin? Do you know what that is? It gives you the tone of your skin, all right? And uh, I got more than than my daughter does. because She burns really bad. I got a little extra melanin, but there's nowhere in there that we see anything about race. It says in verse 4, for they will turn, here's why he says, don't intermarry. Did you did you catch it when we were reading it? He said, Don't intermarry. Why? Because it's what? It'll turn your sons and daughters away from who? From God. This doesn't have anything to do with race. This has to do with them marrying somebody that's worshiping someone other than the true and living God that would turn them away from a relationship with Christ. There's a, there's a word, it's kind of churchy, it's very King James. You may or may not have heard it before, but it's called it's being called an equally yoked, which basically means an equally matched. If I am a follower of Christ, if I am a child of God. I'm not to marry someone who isn't a follower of Christ. Why? What does that create in our life? Turmoil, right? It makes it bad. It makes it rough. So, a lot of times, though, we see that passage, and that passage is referenced, and it has absolutely nothing to do with what they're referencing. About So for the racist, we rebuke them. Shame on you for feeling that way. Shame on you for for feeling that way, but at the same time, we want to love and correct them if they're willing to listen and hear that correction. Because that isn't. The right attitude that you should have. And for that ignorant person, we want to correct and guide them and help them and say, Look, I understand that this is what you think this says, but it doesn't say that here. That's not what the Bible says. And we're going to look in just a moment at exactly what the Bible says there.
1: You know, racism
0: and prejudice isn't just about skin color. You know that too, right? I grew up in Georgia. Y'all are Yankees, <laughs> okay? North Carolina, I mean, good gracious. I'm, y'all are going to corrupt me. <laughs> so, the people from up north, when they come to the south, aren't you so warmly received and welcomed when they find out where you're from or just hear you talk? Oh, yeah, he from around here. Stick it to him, Earl Lane. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I've done that too. I'm like, oh my goodness, and because here's what we think when you you know when when you come from up north down to the south, and we're like, well, they just they're all these northerners. They think they're better than we are. Oh, it's so slow, and you know, we we do all this stuff, and it's crazy. It's crazy. But you got the the preppy or white collar or, uh, what? you know, yeah, even people from the South, if you have a white collar job, and then you got, man, just old Joe, redneck down in the mud, getting dirty, you know, dehorning calves, (laughs) I've done all that, I mean, that's why I do this now, you know. (laughs) Guy I worked with, he said, man, I knew you'd find a job one day where you'd have to do nothing to make you sweat, you know, but sweating a little bit up here tonight. But it's not just about the color of skin there. There's uh, intra race racism. I'm better than you. I'm better than you because of the fact that I was born into the family that I was born into. You know, I I don't know of any genocide that didn't begin with that ideology right there. We're better than you because of where we were born and whose family we were born into. And so because of that, we're superior to you. We're going to have to do something about it. See, we as human beings are drawn into homogeneous relationships. You know what that word means? You know in homogeneous relationships means? It means that we tend, it's 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 like affinity um, a little bit, but people like you. I heard a guy say one time, I was listening to a pastor preach one time, and he was he said he, he was a thirty nine year old white preacher, and he said, Nobody gets me better. Been 39-year-old, married, young kid, white dude. They get everything I say. They understand everything I say because of that homogeneous connection that they have. And we're drawn to that. But here's the problem. God, in His Word, and I'm going to show you this in just a moment, He calls us into diversity. When you look in Scripture, when we look at the Gospel, it calls us into diversity. Our natural bent is homogeneous relationships. But God calls us into diverse relationships. And listen, when we enter into diverse relationships, that's when things start getting tough. Diversity Causes us to grow. It's a part of. Another word. That you've probably heard before maybe. Called sanctification. Have you heard of that word? Sanctification, Really, to put it in really simple terms, sanctification is I want to look more like Jesus and less like me. I want to talk more like Jesus and less like Andy. I want to respond more like Jesus and less like me. In every situation of my life, that's sanctification. It's growing. It's maturing in our relationship with Jesus. And how many of you know, you remember when you were a teenager some of us have to go way back and remember when we were teenagers, but do you remember that? A long time ago. It's painful. It is. I mean, it's physically. Growing up, when you, and I'm not giving you any details because this is being recorded and my mom might listen to this, but it's painful. Puberty, going through puberty is weird. It's awkward. It's like, ah, oh, what is the. I'm an alien, you know? I don't know what is going on here. But growing is difficult, it's painful. But if we're not in some type of discomfort or pain, we're not growing. Because growth always requires that to take place. So that's the truth about sanctification. It's the truth about growing. We don't drift naturally toward diversity. We drift toward likeness. Those homogeneous relationships. We all do it. And I want to show you in Scripture. You can write this passage down as well. Acts chapter 10. You can turn there if you'd like to. I'm going to I'm not going to read all of this because it's it's the entire chapter that I'm going to share with you, but I'm not reading all that chapter. Uh, The God comes to a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is a a centurion in the Italian regiment. He is a, a Gentile. Okay? We'll talk more about that word in just a minute. He's a Gentile. God gives him... A directive. He says, I want you to go and find Peter. I want you to send some men to him, and I want you to bring him back to where you live. He says, okay, I'm going to do that. So while they're on the way, God visits Peter. And if you remember this account in Acts chapter 2, the vision, it says that he's getting ready, he's waiting for supper. And uh, I don't know, I guess maybe... When I, when I read this, I thought, man, this is what a lot of men do. It says he went into a trance while he was waiting on supper, you know. He's sitting there, maybe sports center's on. I don't know what, what's going on there. But he's in this trance, and it says he sees a sheet coming down from heaven. And all of these animals are on it. And there are all of these things that God has said in, in, in the Jewish law, you are not to eat and guess what God says to him? when he straight from that. Eat that. He goes, uh-uh. Not eating that. And the voice responded to him a second time and said, don't call because he said, that's unclean, it's impure. He said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So then,
1: they get to him.
0: He goes back. He's standing before Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, all the way down in verse 28, if you want to go down to verse 28, and it says, he said to them, you are aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him, but God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Wow. Wow in front of a room of Gentiles. Guess who the Gentiles are? If you're not Jewish, that's you, okay? Anybody that isn't a Jew is a Gentile. That's us. And so he said, you know, we're we're separate over here. You know, I'm I'm not supposed to be around you. The law says I'm not supposed to be around you. Well, that doesn't pinch really that much when we hear that. It doesn't unsettle it us really that much. Let me insert the word black and white in that passage of scripture and help you kind of see the tone of what he said there. He said, you are aware that it is against the law for a white man to associate with you black men. But God has shown me that I shouldn't call you impure or unclean, so hey, we're good. Now, when we hear that, I'm thinking he better have given his heart to the Lord, because they are about to move up on him, okay? It brings that tension there, doesn't it? I mean, we're not even sure if we can laugh at that, because it's like, ah, that's what he's saying right there. He's standing in the room with those, those men, and here's what they do, they give him grace, and they say you know what We're not going to Bust your chops over that We're going to let that That go And, and then uh, He looks at them And he says okay Because you've been gracious enough to hear me out And and, and listen to what I've said I'm going to do what God's told me to do He said y'all are okay So I'm going to obey God. I'm not going to obey what I feel like I should do. I'm not going to obey what I feel like, um, you know, even my culture and my background says I should do and how I should respond. Because it is unlawful for me to be around you. God said it's okay, son. Guess what happens when he drops his practice? Guess what happens when he says, you know what, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to do what God's called me to do. It says, and while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, which were the Jewish believers that were there with him, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even all the Gentiles. Only cattle. They were blown away. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then they asked Peter to stay a few more days. God showed up and poured out his spirit on that people. Wow. Holy cow. So in chapter 11 of the book of Acts, he goes back home and guess what they do? They throw a parade for Peter and say, you are the man. Is that what they did? That is not what they did. Let's read what they did. In verse 1 of chapter 11, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, and this wasn't a question. The way you read this is important. It's not a question here. They're not saying, you went into the house of uncircumcised people. You went, we you went into the house of people who were different than we were. This is a recording. What Peter says in reply to them is a recording of one of several Jesus Jews in the New Testament. He looks at them and says, starting from the beginning, let me tell you the rest of this story. God told me to go there. Now, oftentimes, people didn't do the right thing. He didn't say the right thing. He messed up. But this time, he stood firm, and he stood tall, and he said, I don't care what y'all say, God told me to do this. This was a good thing. Isn't it crazy? How God can pour out His Spirit and do this amazing work in the life of all these people. And then He come back to folks that don't understand, maybe they're, they're too small minded or simple minded to get it. And they're like, you did what? They didn't come back and say, man, that's incredible. We heard what God did. No. You ate with who? You did what? <sighs> but remember, we have that tendency to drift. And Peter did. I mean, you can look on in, in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 2. We're not going to go there, I don't have time. They, the tendency, again, is to drift back. So the question tonight. Is what is our response as Christians supposed to be? What's our response supposed to be to this whole idea of race and racism? If you have your Bibles and you want to jot this passage down, write this down too, it's Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you were, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in, in Israel and foreigners to the covenants the promise, without hope and without God in the world. They were not looking for the Savior that the Jews were looking for. And here's what Jesus says in response to that. So what? Because I came and did something. Verse 13. But now in Jesus Christ You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Because of the work of Jesus, you have been brought near. In the first century Herodian temple, there were courts that were a part of that temple. The outer court was an area for the Gentiles to come. They could worship then there was another gate that you would walk through. And women, Jewish women, who were ceremonially clean, they could go into that area and they could worship. And then there was an inner court where the men who were ceremonially clean could go in. And Mr. Mitchell knows far more he's a student of, of that, far better than I am, but they would go into the presence of God. But I, I had read that an archaeologist found a stone at the gate in that temple where the uh, the courtyard there where the Gentiles roamed. And it said, whoever is captured past this point will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. You don't go past here. See, then something happened." Jesus came. Ephesians two fourteen, verse fourteen says, "For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility. There is no Jew or Gentile in Christ; we are his children." There is no black or white or Hispanic or red or yellow. Whatever you may see there, what God sees is one race, the human race. And he has called us to love one another in spirit and in truth. And he's called us to make him the Lord of our life. And to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. No matter what color, no matter what nationality, no matter where you're from, no matter what language you speak. If you're a member of the human race, we are to love and to care and to have compassion for those. And that's why we go overseas. That's why we do missions here at home. That's why we do all the things that we do. Because God has called us to that place. And you didn't clap right there, but it was worthy of one. I need to take a breath. (laughs) One race, the human race. So finally I get to your handout. Racism is our struggle. But in Christ is abolished. He doesn't see that. That's our struggle. That's the thing that we deal with. If this crowd, as this crowd, becomes more and more diverse. What have we really accomplished? If we have different colors in this room, but our friendships remain homogenized we only hang out with people like us shame on us we need to make friendships and cultivate friendships with people who don't look like we look and and, and live where we live and embrace and love them and care for people way God intended on us to do so. so, yeah, I'm saying, make friends with somebody that doesn't look like you. Tell them I said, hey, I like pepperoni and mushroom on my pizza.
1: But we need to get out in
0: this world and we've got to make a difference. But guys, we have to set the tone. And we can't respond to the symptom of the problem because that's what we are, that's our tendency. We look at the symptom of the problem and we respond to that. And God is saying, This is a heart issue. I want you to get to the place where you look at your fellow man, you see your fellow man or woman, and that is all you see. And I want to be there, I want to get to that place. And we're kidding ourselves if we think we've got a long way there. we got a long way to go. Just because we don't have people sitting in certain spots on a bus and drinking from certain water fountains and eating certain places in a restaurant where you can't even eat at that restaurant, man, that's great that all that is abolished and done and gone, but there's a lot of work that we have left to do. A lot of work we have left to do. And I don't want us to be blinded either and, and, and make the mistake of responding to the things, the, the, the peripheral issues that are out there. If a crazy person walks into a bank or a, uh, a, a drugstore or a Walmart or wherever they may go, and they've got a, a, a swastika tattooed on their forehead. The swastika didn't do it. It was what was in the heart of that man that did and perpetrated that act. I'm not all about that, and I'm not going to have one. But I don't want us to get on this, on this, this rampage over that. I want us to talk about And be concerned and our heart be about God. Touch the heart of men and women, boys and girls. Because it's the heart that is corrupt. It's the heart. It's a hard, dark, cold heart. That can cause a person to get so disconnected. They can wake up this morning and look at a 24-year-old girl and a 27-year-old cameraman and say, I'm going to put you out of this world. And then I'm going to run away and I'm going to take myself out. There's a heart issue there. And my heart breaks for every single one of those people that are involved. When we walk in diverse relationships, number two, we must walk in humility. Walk in humility. I am genuinely broken and sorry for the way that I have reacted in my life when it comes to the issue of race. And I'm so thankful for where God has brought me, but i got a long way to go. And to quote Pastor Farrell, you look holy out there, but you got a long way to go too. We all have a long way to go. And as long as we continue to recognize that, we'll continue to grow and we'll continue to mature and we'll continue to get better and better at this. But we have to walk in humility and have godly sorrow for the way that we've responded to the world around us. And then number three, we must own our responsibility. We must own it. We can't look at everybody else. We can't look at the world around us and say, "Well, that's somebody else's deal." That, you know, I, I, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have responded that way. They shouldn't have acted that way. But I ain't done anything, buddy. The, the man or woman, boy or girl, that says that—I mean, you're, all you're doing is professing your guilt when you say words like that. Look, I know this is a. This is a a difficult issue, it's a tough issue for us to to talk about and and to deal with but guys we've got to deal with it we've got to be honest about it, we've got to be truthful about it and I want us to be trailblazers here at the bridge when it comes to this issue when it comes to us loving others as Christ loved us first he called us remember Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And the only way that I can love somebody genuinely and with a pure heart is go to them and say, you know what? I am am truly sorry for the way that you've been treated in this community. And I want you to know I love you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. And I want you to know that I believe wholeheartedly and stand on what was preached tonight. That there is but one race. It is the human race. And God loves you as much as he loves me. And I am so, so sorry for that. God says that we're to confess our sins one to another. Why? So that we might be healed. We need to be healed in this world, We need healing in our land. And then just reminding you of Romans chapter 13, the passage that I ended with on the first night that we did this study. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. No debt. See, I got to own it. I got to own my responsibility. So I got to get all that debt done. I don't want any debt to remain outstanding in my relationship with God. So how do I do that? I love my fellow man. I love my neighbor as myself. And when I do that, For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does does not do harm to their neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. That's it. It's lordship. It's loving our neighbor as ourselves. If we get our heart right, everything else is right. Everything else is where it needs to be. If all of your relationships, I'm going to challenge you in something tonight. If all of your relationships are homogenized, do something about that. What are you saying, man? Go make a friend, then. I mean a real friend. I'm talking about a friend. My little boys—they got friends that don't look like them. They go and they get down in my freezer and eat all my popsicles, get all my Mickey Mouse bars. They don't even make those anymore, I don't think. But y'all remember Mickey Mouse bars? Boy, I love them. When I learned how to ride a bicycle, that's the first thing I went and got: Mickey Mouse bars. But they—they—they they, they spend the night. People that don't look like I do, come to my home and fellowship in my home not as much as they should. That needs to happen more. But I'm going to challenge you to do that more. And let's become, truly become colorblind so that we see what God sees when we look at another human that we have that compassion that he has when we see him. Would you stand with me as we close tonight? The record will show it is five minutes to eight. Yeah, you can clap. <laughs> Robin, they hadn't been here when I've gone to that man. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it challenges us. I thank you, God, that it makes me uncomfortable. I thank you that it, it pushes me out of my comfort zone. And God, it really makes me do some honest examination of my own life. I pray that this will be the prayer of every person that is in this room tonight, but my prayer tonight, God, is examine those dark places in my life. Those places where I have not let you in. Where I've held on to, to that because of selfish pride or Arrogance, whatever the case may be. God, shine a light on that and change us. God, as we talk about this issue, our young people are are having the same conversation tonight. They're listening to Pastor Josh. They're hearing the words that he's sharing and then they're going to go home. And they're going to look at their mom and dad, and they're going to say, well, what do they think about it? Pastor Josh has about two hours of influence at the most in the lives of the young people in this community, and we have all the rest. They're watching our life. My children are watching my life. They're listening to the words that come out of my mouth. They're listening to the jokes that I laugh at. That I repeat. God, if I'm honest tonight... There are things that I laugh at at times that break the heart of God. And for that, Lord, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you, God, to help us. Lord, be followers after Christ. Followers that when the world looks at us will say, I don't know exactly what it is that makes them tick. I don't know what it is about them, that I'm drawn to it and I want that. God, help us follow after you in such a manner that we will be contagious in our walk with you. I don't want my children to see color. Oh, I want them to see somebody God that you love and you died for. And I want the first question out of their mouth not to be what do they want or what are they up to or I don't know if I can trust them because of the way they look but I want it to be I wonder if they know Jesus too because I know I need him, and they need him as well God may that be all Lord, we repent tonight. We draw near to you. And we ask you, God, to help us as we navigate these issues that are very real in the world that we live in. Help us do them in a way, God, that honors you. Above all other things, Lord, that's what I want. Above everything else, I want you to be honored if I offend the rest of the world, but I honor you, God, I'm good. Good. But if I keep everybody else around me happy, and I dishonor you and my relationship with you, God, I've lost everything. So help hope it's that Christian. That child of God that honors you with our life, with our actions, with our words, with our heart. In Jesus' name we pray.